Seven to one. Uh, what are you doing? You're not actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1! Never tell me the odds. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to a special Boba Burgling, Ben Burgled episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews, the best and easiest way to help support our show, spread the word about what we're doing, and punch that algorithm right on the side of its unbucketed head. Because buckets are the best. So, how is everyone doing? As you're listening to this, you may be aware, I am still currently uh, away from the, the podcasting microphone from the, uh, the the laptop that I use to record all this good stuff, uh, yeah, little little R and R for the for, for Nargai Tom, and <laughs> and uh, so I can't leave the fine audience of this podcast without content, and so I have I have recorded a bunch of episodes in advance to kind of help uh, help cover the time that I'll be away. Uh, there still may be a little bit of a lag. I'm still working that out as far as the schedule goes. You may only get one episode a week to kind of offset that, but don't worry. There's still going to be content. Keep checking your podcast feeder. Uh, we still have the rest of season two of the Clone Wars to finish up, and I got a couple other bonus episodes in the mix. So get ready for that. Today we do have a special one, and it's very much focused on Boba Fett. We've been talking about this in in, uh, in some of our more special edition episodes of the show, some of the more Bantha track versions, you know, where we're talking about what else is going on in Star Wars, whenever we're breaking down some of the news, and getting into some of the, you know, sometimes we get to go, when we get to talk about comic books, because I love comic books, I hope you all love comic books, and I'm really very much enjoying Marvel's comic books for Star Wars, I think they've been doing some really, really good stuff, I think the series is, all the series are, are doing really strong things, even the series that I'm not, like, the biggest fan of, and we'll talk about that more next, but... Uh, because this is the Mandovision podcast, it felt right that now that we're at the we're, now that we're kind of past the halfway point, we check in on the the epic that's now raging across the Star Wars comics at Marvel, and that is of course War of the Bounty Hunters. We talked a little bit about it on on our on our last news based episode of the show because we talked about some big news that's coming up with one of the characters. But if you didn't listen to that episode, if you're new to the podcast, don't worry. We're going to recap all that stuff. There will be spoilers uh, once we get to the other side of the break, or other side of the bumper, I suppose. 
so yeah, we're we're gonna talk about the books. Not we're not gonna do like a comprehensive deep dive on every single issue that's come out thus far. But we are gonna talk about the big broad strokes, uh, some of the some of the ramifications, some of the uh, interesting details that have come up with some of the characters, main characters, secondary characters, tertiary characters. And of course, because this is Mandavision, we're going to talk about those bounty hunters. That group of bounty hunters, that gaggle that we met for the very first time back in Empire Strikes Back. We're going to be checking in on all of them and seeing what they're doing here in the War of the Bounty Hunters. Quick note, you might hear a little bit of a a hiss in the background behind me. It's very hot. So uh, the air conditioner is on. Uh, I would have uh, preferred a smaller unit on in the room where I'm at, but I was uh, outvoted. I live with one other person. Lost the vote. So the air conditioner's on. So you may hear a little bit of hiss, but I'm going to try to keep that as minimized as possible for this special, special bonus episode of the show. Well, I say bonus episode, but let's be honest. It'll probably just be a regular episode, because every time I think it's going to be a short bonus show, it runs 30, 40 minutes. (laughs) So it just becomes an episode anyways. But anyways, like I said, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hope you like what you hear. Please make sure you give us a follow on social media and email the show. Please, please, please. We'd love to hear from you. And and for all the all the regular listeners, welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And I hope you're excited about this conversation because we are going to have some fun. All right, so you know what that means. It's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. You are free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. As you wish. I think everyone knows at this point in the podcast that I love comic books. And they were such a vital part of continuing Star Wars for me. And I've never let go of that. So whenever Star Wars comics are being published, I'm I'm all in. And whether it was with Dark Horse or now back with Marvel, who originally held the license uh, from the late 70s into the 80s, I've, I've been along for the ride as long as humanly possible. And, and what's really neat about, since Marvel has reacquired, excuse me, reacquired the license, uh, is that they've been telling these new tales, you know, in, in the wake of each movie. So right now, you know, we're in a period where it's the 40th anniversary of Empire, at least last year was. And, and so the book shifted. So now we are now between Empire and Jedi. And we're getting all these really fun stories because Empire Strikes Back as everyone is well aware, is when the galaxy of Star Wars, the, the universe of Star Wars, if you will, really began to expand in fun and unique ways that we only sort of got hints of in A New Hope back in, in, in 77, a year before I was actually born. <laughs> so so it's a really nice confluence of events right now because there are some great comic books coming out from Marvel, there is the, the 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 main Star Wars comic book that is now following Luke and Leia. It's following C-3PO, R2-D2, Chewbacca. And of course, now that we're after Empire, Han has been taken away. So we're with we're with Lando, his his first days with the Rebellion. We're with Lobot, his first days with Rebellion after Bespin, after the fall of Bespin back to the Empire. And sort of learning how to trust Lando Calrissian, and Lando, you know, learning the same about the, about the the rebellion, and I, I what's I think what's really interesting about that particular arc is that I think we're going to get to a place where we have we have to get to a place where we see Lando in Jedi, 
where he's risking his life, putting it all on the line to save Han, and he's now all in on the rebellion. We've seen Lando, you know, in Solo, in Empire. He's a bit of a gambler. He's a bit of a, a rogue, a rapscallion in many senses, if you will. Uh, and and they're 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 doing a great job of sort of showing what's gonna what it's gonna take for him to kind of get in 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 uh, to sort of butcher my metaphor, but to kind of see what Han saw in the rebellion and why he bought in when he bought in. Lando has to experience that, but it's going to be a different process. So that's kind of where we are with him in the Star Wars book. Uh, the other book going on, the the other main title, if you will, if you wanted to shift it that way, is Darth Vader's comic. We've talked about that in our in our Emperor Palpatine episode, where we talked about the retroactive continuity going on, where they are laying the groundwork for Exegol. They are laying the groundwork for the Pathfinders. And, and everything we saw uh, in the sequel trilogy to sort of indicate that it was Palpatine all along and we should have known it. <laughs> now, again, it, it's up to each individual member of the Star Wars community, whether they're, they're, they're in on the Palpatine thing in Rise of Skywalker or if they're out on it. Um, I respect the fact that they're trying to lay that groundwork, that they want to make it so that it makes sense, so that when you watch it again, if you have this background information, it kind of gels a little bit more. And, and like, again, my feelings for Rise of Skywalker are unique, and they are my own. And I, um, you know, maybe one day we'll have a podcast where where I I I, I speak more uh, openly about those feelings. But I respect the fact that they're sort of setting this all up in the in the era of Empire, but, you know, before in between Empire and Jedi, they're they're laying this groundwork because Vader is very upset. Vader is angry. You know, he didn't know about his son. He didn't know that Padme had a child. He wants to know who's responsible. You know, who really killed Padme? Like, what's going on here? Like, he's been misled on so many things. He's learning that he's been lied to by Palpatine and by many, many others along the way to the creation of, of, of Darth Vader. And and he's sort of pushing back against that. But in by pushing back against that, he is more uh, fully in the Emperor's grasp, if you will, because he's learning that as powerful as he is, in you know, and maybe at one point in his existence as Anakin Skywalker, he might have been in a position to, to destabilize the Emperor, to dethrone Palpatine. But Anakin's never been one for the long game. And Palpatine has been playing the long game for a long time. And, and that's sort of what he's experiencing right now. His anger, his hate uh, at the Emperor, at everyone who's lied to him, uh, is 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 palpable, palpable, but he realizes that he's not strong enough to fight against this, and he tries really hardly, really hard. In the comics, they, they, we talk about this in that episode. The the links he goes to to sort of try and destroy Palpatine, his sort of effort to usurp the Sith throne, if you will, uh, and also we get Uchi of Bastoon. A character introduced uh, post, well, posthumously sounds like makes it sound like he's inhuman. But when we meet Ochi in Rise of Skywalker, he's dead. Uh, but now we're making him one of, of Vader's lackeys, a, a lackey of the Emperor at the same time, and that that's actually been very interesting, very fascinating. So these are the players that were put on the board in those two books. Then you have the Doctor Afra comic, which is 
Dr. Afra, if you're not reading that, if you haven't listened to uh, the audible of, of the, the first big story arc in which she works for Vader and then ultimately betrays Vader and now spends her life in per- perpetual fear of Darth Vader, by all means, check it out. Uh, because Dr. Afra is the one comic book uh, in the Star Wars universe that is so unique and has such a wonderful voice that is unconventional compared to where we are in the Star Wars universe. So I recommend Afra highly. It, it's, it's a really solid read, and it is the book that is the most inclusive. It has the most diversity uh, in a way that makes the most sense at the same time. You know, I, I, I hesitate to go down this road, um, but you, you, you sort of notice in, in the Disneyized version of the Empire that they're even trying to make the Empire more inclusive and more diverse, which is weird to me. You know, for so long in my existence... The Empire was, you know, pro-human, anti-alien, and that was that. And, you know, they, they attempted to, to squash and suppress other alien species uh, in, in favor of humanity. And this version of the Empire is more, is, is more I, I guess, diverse is the, way I'll, is the word I'll have to use. Uh, because, like, in that comic, we'll, we'll see Devronian Imperial officers and things like that. And... Again, that's a unique, unique choice, and I haven't quite wrapped my mind around all of it just yet. But I'm getting there. I'm, I, I think I'm okay with it. I mean, it makes sense. There would be certain members of certain species in the galaxy that are like, yeah, the Empire's doing right by me and right by my people. I'll enlist. I'll sign up. Show me where to do this at. And, and you know, I, I would love it if they explore that more fully, I guess is where I'm getting at. It's one thing to see a, like a Devronian Imperial officer, but how did he get there? Like I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by these these sort of side characters, these tertiary characters, and that's the one thing I wish they would do a little bit more of in Afra. But Afra is very much a crime caper or comic book. It's it's Ocean's Eleven in space. Every episode, or I'm sorry, every issue, is part of a larger scheme that Doctor Afra has, and it's fun. It's a fun book in that regards because you don't quite know what's going to happen next. And then the the fourth book in the Star Wars comic book lineup is Bounty Hunters. I, I'll be honest, this is the one book that I have the hardest time with because I'm not a huge believer in the Bylert Valance character. He is the Bylert Valance is the, our main character. He is our, our center point, and we follow him through his adventures. And it is just it just so happens that because he's a bounty hunter, his adventures intersect with many of our favorite bounty hunters. Boba Fett, Bosk, Dengar, Forlom, uh, or for L-O-M, depending on how you want to pronounce it, you know, uh, Zuckus, all, all the uh, IG-88. The, the entire, you know, menagerie that we first met in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and, and, and Valence is a character, former Imperial officer. Uh, he's part, he's sort of, he has a lot of cybernetic implants because of a a TIE fighter crash when he was at the Academy. And we find out later on that Han Solo was played a big part in, in saving him and helping him not die. Uh, and that will tie into this episode very, 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 very soon. Um, but by, by and large, violence is a character I've had a harder time connecting with than I would have thought. And maybe that's because when it, when this book was first pitched, I, I sort of assumed it would be more of an, uh, more of an, um, you know, more of a, a, a Tales of the Bounty Hunters, like, you know, 
for a stretch of issues, we'll follow Bosk and we'll follow for, for you know for LOM and and Dengar, you know, whatever. And then we're, I'm I'm saddled with with this Valence character, who is an offshoot from the uh, from the original Marvel run in the '80s, a cybernetic being. And I, again, I have a weird I have a weird issue with cybernetic beings. To me, it feels weird in Star Wars because we never saw a lot of characters with cybernetic implants. Other, you know, other obviously other than Darth Vader and Luke in his hand, you know, it wasn't we didn't see guys with like robot eyes and halves of their bodies replaced with cybernetics. And in, I, again, that might just be a cop out on my part. Uh, but cyber, cyborgs have never felt like Star Wars to me, and so that might be my big issue with Valence as a character. Plus, he he like shoots palm, you know, blasts off his palms. He feels very Iron Man in that regard. Maybe I'm nuts. I, I still read the comic. I still enjoy it for the most part. I just don't enjoy Valence as my 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 viewpoint character. But those are the four main books of the Star Wars line being published by Marvel right now. That leads us into the book that we've talked about on prior episodes, War of the Bounty Hunters. And again, we've spoiled a, a bit of it before. But when War of the Bounty Hunters kicks off, it's about Boba Fett taking Han Solo's carbonite frozen body to Jabba the Hutt. There is a malfunction in the equipment. Those Bespin Ugnots did not do a great job setting things up. And Boba is worried about Han Solo deteriorating uh, and then him being unable to collect the bounty from Jabba because uh, Han would just turn into a puddle of carbonite-laced goo. So he has to make a detour. He stops at the Smuggler's Moon on Narshada. He tracks down a sort of black market doctor who's going to fix the interface controls, the, readjust the carbonate matrix so that Han Solo is stabilized and will arrive to Jabba the Hutt safe and sound. But in the meantime, Boba, apparently, this is my one issue, my, my biggest concern with, with, with this story arc is that Boba doesn't have seem to have a lot of funds. Uh, so I don't know what empire, what, what bounty he got from the Empire for tracking down the Millennium Falcon, uh, but apparently it was not substantial enough to to cover, uh, you know, the the ma- the repairs to the Carbonite Matrix, the uh, fuel costs for Slave One to get back to Tatooine, so he has to go into gladiatorial combat to make some cash, pay that doctor to fix the Matrix, and and get off Narshada so he can hit the Tatooine. During the gladiatorial combat, which is fun in the comics, it's really a nice visual. I, I believe that in the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha, it, it's Steve McGiven drawing the art, and it's glorious, it's fantastic to look at. And Charles Soule, writer of High Republic novels, is doing the writing on this book and the main Star Wars title, for the record. They do a great job of showing Boba in gladiatorial combat. He paints his Mandalorian armor black, goes by the name Django, honoring his father. Very, very fun stuff. But... While he's doing gladiatorial combat to pay for all these things, uh, a, a, a criminal organization is moving against him in secret. It is ultimately revealed that it is Crimson Dawn. They are returning to the prime, to the upper echelon of criminal organizations in Star Wars, headed up not by none other than Kira from Solo. You know, uh, we know Kira. She has now stolen the body, the carbonite frozen body of Han Solo from Boba Fett, enraging Boba Fett. Boba Fett 
lives by his code, dies by his code. He must recover the body. He must deliver the bounty. That you know, we know his motivation. And this story is very centered on Boba Fett, and that's a nice element of it. But because of what we talked about in all these other titles, because this 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 War of the Bounty Hunters is raging. It's a crossover event. It's 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 in Star Wars. It's in the Vader comic. It's in Doctor Aphra. It's in Bounty Hunters, and then it has the main through line War of the Bounty Hunters comic itself. There's a lot of elements in play. There's a lot of things going on, and we have to talk about them a little bit more fully in a little bit more detail, and that's just what I'm going to do right now. As War of the Bounty Hunters is beginning, let's talk about a little bit about our characters and where they are, in the main comics in particular. The Vader and the main Star Wars book. Leia has finally come to the decision that they must rescue Han Solo. Things are going bad for the Rebellion in the wake of Hoth. The Empire has figured out their codes, has been tracking down the various rebel fleets and eliminating them. There are many losses racking up for the Rebellion, and things seem bleak. Hope seems to be dying. Leia decides that it's time to rescue Han. Not as a symbolic gesture, necessarily, but as a, but, but partially. Her feelings her motivations, and a win for the Rebellion. Rescue Han Solo, a respected leader of the Rebellion. And obviously her feelings come to play too, but it's Leia, so she downplays a lot of that. At the same time, in the Vader comic book, Vader has now been humbled by the Emperor. He realizes that the Emperor is playing the long game. He's playing uh, 3D chess, and Vader's been playing checkers. So Vader knows that he is is out of his element. He's out of his depth when it comes to going toe to toe with Palpatine, and 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 that's an interesting perspective uh, for us as readers because I think a lot of us, you know, as Vader fans, if, if people who love the tragedy of Vader and we were, are always curious, could Vader have risen up, uh, and and to have a sort of answer so definitively so definitively stated in the comics. Uh, being no. No, he can't. Again, Palpatine playing chess, Vader playing checkers, maybe even Connect Four. Maybe even Connect Four. So so Vader then focuses attention back on his son, back on Luke Skywalker. Again, this is after their confrontation on Bespin. And Luke has been humbled in, 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 in a very significant manner. A complete loss of confidence, loss of belief in himself. He lost his hand he lost his lightsaber. And Vader is itching for another confrontation. He wants it badly. And so Vader comes to the realization that Han Solo is the key. So once his body is sort of on the open market and Crimson Dawn has announced, like, hey, all these interested parties are, are, are queued up on Han Solo. We have the Rebellion. We have all the, the Underworld element, like the Huts. And the and the and again the various bounty hunters we've offended the empire that Han Solo has offended, all these interested parties in Solo coming to bid on him in an auction that will help elevate uh, Crimson Dawn. Obviously, Vader cares not for Crimson Dawn, cares not for Kira and her plans. He wants Solo's body in an effort to manipulate Skywalker into another confrontation, a confrontation that we know really won't come until Jedi. I mean, at least that's the mythology. 
So we have to pay attention to that. Where we find ourselves now at the halfway point of the series of War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, issue 3 came out in August. So I'm only talking about the books that came out in August. Anything that's come out since this, since uh, in September, I'm not including in this podcast. So you, you, this maybe this information is a little outdated in that regard. But, you know, what can you do? It, it's a podcast. I've only read the books that came up came out into August. <laughs> but Vader on a on, he has a direct comlink set up with Luke Skywalker in his X-wing as Luke races towards the meetup where where Crimson Dawn's having this auction. He's coming to help Leia and Chewie and and uh I haven't even talked about Boba Fett and Chewbacca fighting which was phenomenal. But <laughs> focusing on Luke and Vader, Vader's expecting him. He has uh, Admiral Piet set up a communication line, private and direct, between Vader and Luke. And Vader wants Luke on that planet so, so badly. And he threatens Luke by... uh, Again, I'm a little redundant. But by threatening to slice the carbonite frozen body of Han Solo into many, many small, small pieces, of which him being unfrozen will be very bad for Han Solo in that state. Luke, still reeling from his loss at Bespin, the, sh- the, the, the shattered confidence that he has after Bespin, will not engage. He will not land. He refuses he refuses to engage with Vader. And it is heart-wrenching. Heart-wrenching is the only word I can use to describe it. As Luke in his X-Wing with R2 behind him takes off, turns back to space. is like, I'm not ready. I can't do this. And he, over the comm to Leia, attempts to apologize because he knows that he just sacrificed Han Solo's life. Now again, there are many, many factors in play in this series. And again, we know Return of the Jedi. Luke and Leia and Lando and Chewie and the droids will ultimately rescue Han Solo. But the fact that there's this pivotal moment where Luke doubts himself so seriously, so severely, that he's willing to allow his friend Han Solo to die in a state of frozen carbonite is so sad and tragic that yeah I, I, I don't have the words for it excuse my dr- dramatic pauses they weren't just done for effect it's just as I the more I talk about it the more I kind of get this out of my system it's it's just it, it's high drama at its best and again, you know the beats. You know what's ultimately going to happen. They're going to, you know, Han's frozen body will ultimately make its way to Jabba. Luke and Leia and Lando and Chewie will ultimately make their way to Tatooine and ultimately rescue their friend, Captain Han Solo. Uh, but they've spun such a wonderful web. And that's been the really one of the really understated, nice aspects of the comic series in this period between Empire and Jedi, is sowing these seeds of doubt that Luke now has 
about himself as he's going to go into this conference. You know, as uh, in the aftermath of his confrontation with Vader, his his sheer kind of awe at the way Vader was able to use the Force. And Luke doesn't know what he's doing. He left his training. He has no idea what's going on. He has a lightsaber, but he didn't make it. He sort of found it. And and sort of like the question him questioning his worthiness of continuing the legacy of continuing the Jedi order on his own in this fight where he's completely outmatched and outgunned and frankly outclassed by the Sith Lords who just know so much more and are so much more adept at wielding the force it's it's really it's it's really really enlightening it's really really fun and again we, we the fun part of it is seeing Luke at this low, seeing Leia at this low where she's so desperate to save Han but cannot. And Lando, so untrusting of the Rebellion, so untrusting of Mon Mothma and Leia and the, the Rebellion leadership that he's plotting with the Huts against them. And, and, and Chewbacca, again, Han's biggest advocate, Han's biggest best friend, sort of caught in the middle of all these different factions uh, it, it's it's really really wonderful again they weave in some other some fun stories with Afra and uh, Sana Staros in the Afra comic that's a lot of fun but she has her own thing going on like like I don't want to dive too deeply into that because it, it's a whole nother trajectory but Han Solo's auction factors into it and they do a nice job with that especially when it comes to uh, with Boba Fett and dealing with with, with uh, you know clones things like that some good stuff going on there and then the Bounty Hunters book, uh, by Alert Valence, feeling like he owes a debt to Han Solo because Han helped save his life in the TIE Fighter crash that, that, by Alert, that caused by Alert many of his human uh, qualities and, and forced him into a life of uh, cybernetic living. So he feels a debt to Han, so he's trying very hard to get into the mix. By Alert's the one character that I'm waiting to see what happens here in the second half of the series because... Uh, he's trying to catch up with everything else that's going on. And he has been distracted by uh, messes of his own making from earlier in the comic run. Uh, but he and Dengar, at last check, are finally heading to the auction location. So we'll see what they have to, have to offer to this series in the second half. But it's been a really fun run, and it's really exciting to think that they've done such a nice job with Han Solo, the character, bringing all these desperate factions together. And he's frozen in carbonite. He's not even agitating the action anymore. He's uh, just like the centerpiece that, that's bringing all these elements together. The heroes, the villains, the underbelly of the galaxy, and, and, and so much more. Uh, it's, it's been a lot, a lot of fun. I think this is a really great series. If you're not checking it out already, I do highly, highly recommend it. Uh, again, it's it's we're about three months in. There's about two months left, and I don't think they've collected any of it in in trade paperbacks that you can pick up from like Barnes and Noble or whatever. Uh, but if you're a digital comics person, check them out on Comicsology, or head into your local com comic book shop and find out what you can get. You can read the main book, The War of the Bounty Hunters, one through three, and and get a good feel for everything going on. If you want to get deeper, though, pick up the Star Wars book. Pick up the Vader book. Dr. Aphra, the Bounty Hunter book. And you'll, you'll get a fuller picture of what's going on. 
but I'm really intrigued by what's going on. And, and you know, and we haven't even really talked about Kira's role in things and, and, and sort of the rise, the return of Crimson Dawn and how Han Solo's auction will factor into that. We did mention a few episodes ago how uh, the writers at Marvel have big plans for Kira, have big plans for Crimson Dawn. So I am waiting to see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, this is this has been a really a delightful, well, delightful, you know, let's put it this way. I had expectations for this book. They have been surpassed. So if you're a fan of the Star Wars comic books, I encourage you to check them out. If you have not checked out the Star Wars comics, I encourage you to check them out because it's a really, really good time. And it's a great way to get a, a taste of Expanded Universe without having to, to, to hunker down for the novels. Oh, which we will be talking about very, very soon <laughs> at the same time because reading the comics and going back through some novels, some of them older than others, and then kind of juxtaposing them against the High Republic books, that's been a lot of fun for me. So we will be talking about that on an upcoming episode of MandoVision as well. And I cannot thank you all enough for listening to this War of the Bounty Hunters special on MandoVision. Nargai Tom, thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast, particularly as it pertains to Boba Fett. Please follow us on social media at Tom... Um, oh boy, wrong podcast. Please follow us on social media at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews are the best way to help this show and spread the good word about what we're doing. And I truly, truly appreciate it. So let's get out of here. Let's get out of my own way. I thank you all so much for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. If you're an old listener, thank you for sticking around. And I hope you had a good time with this one. Because War of the Bounty Hunters is definitely worth your time. It's worth your attention. Pay attention. Get the, get the online comics. Get the digital downloads. Get the, get the book from your local comic shop. And have a blast. It's very Boba Fett-centric. And that's a good thing. But there's a lot more going on. More subtext. So stick around and enjoy. With that being said, we're going to wrap up the podcast. And you know, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.